I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f-ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f-ing houses for f-ing years. So the 1996 All-Ireland Football Final, Connor. like, I mean, when everybody thinks back on this, immediately what jumps into people's minds is the huge row in the replay. Um, nobody really thinks about the fact that the two teams in the final were never expected to be in the final. Mayo were in Division 3 of the National League that year. Mead were coming off a hammering in the Leinster final the year before. Actually, Mayo were coming off a hammering in the Connacht final the year before. So, suppose, like the whole story around 90, the 1996 uh, final is overshadowed by the huge row in the replay. Yeah, and it's actually I was kind of looking into it last night. It's it's, it's the, the kind of build up Mayo's path to the final is really interesting. If you consider that between let's say from the 1989 when they're in the All Ireland final up to 1996 when they made it again. It was kind of nearly like the wilderness here for Mayo. I mean, we we're talking about Jack O'Shea had been in charge, Brian McDonald been in charge. We lost to Leitrim in a conic final. We got beaten by 20 points by Cork, I think, in an All-Ireland semi-final. So, like, the, the, the early 90s were, were, were really like the wilderness years for Mayo. But I, I was just looking back over it last night, Willie. Thanks, thanks for giving me the homework last night. And, uh, yeah. like, the, the, the game that I watched on YouTube, I, I was able to watch the game on YouTube, and it had 65 views. And whereas I think that uh, a three-minute analysis of Pat Spillane's brawl, a uh, Pat Spillane's three-minute analysis of the ball of the brawl has something like ten thousand views. That'll tell you all you need to know. Yeah, and fairly, Pat Spillane did a good job analysing the uh, analysing. Uh, we're going to get to that in a second. 
It was very good. He obviously had the videos to freeze and stop. But uh, just just before we get to the row, it, it was interesting reading about this, is that Mayo kind of came back in 96 with players coming from two All-Ireland losing teams, 1994 and 1995. John Casey, David Brady, James Nallen came off the, those teams. And I was just thinking back, like... They were in all earned under twenty one finals in ninety four and ninety five and lost both of them as well. Like I mean, this is just horrific stuff from a Mayo point of view. At what point did they ever win all Ireland? Um, <laughs> that's an interesting question, Willie. To be honest, yeah, yeah, eighty nine. <laughs> then you, then you, uh, then you ninety four and ninety five. Then those lads who were involved in the twenty one final in ninety four and ninety five lost in ninety six and ninety seven. Then fast forward to two thousand and four. 2006, obviously, then 2012, 2013, 2016, and 2017. I could go on. That's just the senior game. I like I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but somebody like Alan Dillon, for example, who was also involved in North Ireland under 21 losing team. I think it was around 2004, 2005. He'd also been involved with Gerald's uh, St. Gerald's school team. I think they lost a couple of All Irelands as well. And uh, his his record stands above, I think, nearly anybody when it comes to. Uh, Mayo people losing uh, losing all Ireland finals. So um, listen, it's uh, it's uh, it's something we don't need to be reminded of. And funny enough, I was just tweeting about this <laughs> last night. T- thinking I was watching the game and kind of nearly tweeting my experiences of the game as I was going on. And like uh, the few responses I got, because I say I lost plenty of followers, but the few responses I got, well, what are we now? We're we're twenty, we're nearly twenty five years on. And the Mayo people that got back to me were like, why, why did you have to do this? Why put us through this now of all time? <laughs> it's a, so here's the route we have to talk about the route it happened on six minutes this is in the replay so there was kind of a bit of talk um, after Mead had beaten Tyrone and a few of the Tyrone lads got injured that Mead bullied Tyrone and then in the first match in the All-Ireland Mayo were well ready for that and Mayo were a big physical team and it was almost the, the opposite way around Mayo was seen as having kind of bullied Mead a little bit so there was a little bit Mead were on, on edge, probably. There was a little bit of laying down markers. And then John McDermott caught a ball. It was from a, a Sheridan free. And uh, Dempsey, the corner forward, swung him around. and Which is grand, yeah. nothing too major about it. And kind of put the hand in over his shoulder to assist the ball. Like it was a, a robust enough tackle, but nothing major. Then Finnerty, uh, kind of, they picked up the uh, breaking ball. And Finnerty went up with a high elbow with him now. So, like, I mean, that's what kicked the whole thing off. Then Kyle gave him, Colin Kyle gave him a box. And that was right in front of the umpires. So I'd say that was kind of sealed his fate. But it was Mayo kind of had started that a little bit. Well, I, uh, well, I just looked back on it this morning, Willie. So my, my take on it, and uh, obviously I'm biased here, so I have to admit that straight from the off. First of all, Morris Sheridan shouldn't have missed the free. It was from the wrong side for him. But, like, Morris Sheridan had... Uh, Mark Sheridan's record that year was unbelievable. He was, he was top scorer in the championship yeah. for a start, but he rarely missed him. And in fairness to him, I think he got uh, I think he got four points or five points from freeze that day as well. So he dropped it short. What I could see of it was that Ray Dempsey, first of all, kind of uh, grabbed John McDermott around the neck, as he said. He nearly swung him. I don't know. I don't think it was intentional, but he nearly swung him into Anthony Finnerty, who just happened to be standing right in front of Ray Dempsey. But Anthony Finnerty, whether he meant it or not, did connect with the elbow. And then because it was Mead that were defending, the, it was Mead defending goal, they're just naturally more kind of Mead players in the area. And of course, because it was all, like a lot of the Mead players didn't have far to run. They were just there anyway. So they kind of naturally got involved. And then of course, when when Mayo saw that there was, you know, five or six Mead lads around, not that Ray, Ray, Ray Dempsey and Anthony Finnerty were well able to defend themselves, 
but all of a sudden Lee McHale was in, Colin McManaman was in, and you said there that uh, Colin Coyle threw a punch on Ray Dempsey. You know, <laughs> Colin Coyle eventually ended up throwing a couple more. I don't know if it was on Ray Dempsey or Colin McManaman. No, just, he got, it, it, he got Ray Dem- he got yeah he he got Ray Dempsey after that he was boxed off he gave him a couple but the fir- very first one is he gave uh, Finnerty a, a box after Finnerty through the elbow at Bay so that's kind of what the Larry what, Finnerty, that's together. right yeah then, then then John Casey came in with a really weird grab of John McDermott Casey wanted no part of this row at all and he kind of put his hands up and held John McDermott's head and probably the worst belt of the whole row was then the McManus came in and gave, gave John Casey an elbow in the back of the head. Then Liam McHale yes. saw this and he piled in across. Um, I think he was going for Darren Say, completely missed Darren Say and then Liam McHale hit nobody and then was set on by about five different Midlands. So like, I mean, Liam McHale, realistically, he's the captain. He, he has to try and defend his players. This is Everybody's piling in. He, from what I could see uh, on the video, he hit no one. He missed Fay, and I don't think he was even going to box Fay. He was trying to maybe launch him in across him, and then he was set on by a whole lot of lead legs. Yeah, the thing was that, like Pat Spillane said it best. He said, "Poor Lee McHale, he's six foot five and he's tanned, so he was picked out from the melee <laughs> by well, it was the umpires or the referee." But what happened was so. Lee McHale actually, as you said, whether he went to go, whether he went to get Darren Fay, he ended up just jumping right through a gap. So he, he made this big run, yeah. but he, he ended up just jumping right through a gap in the middle of Malie. And then was set on by everybody. Of course, like Lee McHale, as I said, six foot five. Mayo is kind of the, the poster boy, I suppose. One of the more, more, most influential players. And then he was set upon. But what happened then was it broke into a fight between... Um, Lee McHale and John McDermott but it was one of those fights and like I'd say everybody's been involved at some stage where they're both kind of in headlocks and they're just swinging without being able to look so they're just kind of swinging yeah. their arms kind of blindly just John, Mc, John McDermott and Lee McHale but the problem about this was is that it was right in front of Pat McEnany so I, I was just reading yeah. there that like Pat, Mc, Pat, Pat McEnany was asked about it years later and he said one of his biggest regrets was not sending off four people. He, he had it in his mind to send off four, and two of them were Lee McHale and John McDermott because they were right in front of him. But of course, when we might get to this, the umpires then called him over. And having seen what you said there, when Colin Coyle drew, threw a couple of digs into Ray Dempsey, said the Coyle has to go. So McEnany probably yeah. had it in his head yeah. at that stage. It's one from each team. He's seen McHale because he was, happened to be right in front of him, and his umpires have told him Colin Coyle. So as a Mayo man, I'm still going to rail against this injustice 25 years later, Willie. But this, I, I, I can kind of maybe see where um, where Pat McEnany was coming from. Well, you could see, you know, you couldn't really see where he's coming from. It was the umpire. The umpire, one of the all-time great quotes, he said to Pat McEnany, you're going to have to send off Colin Kyle. He's after dropping about <laughs> six of them. <laughs> like, and he was. Colin Kyle was... Colin Kyle was cleaning yeah. up, so he was. Like, I mean, and Pat McEnany, like, it was complete, uh, complete injustice to send off the dominating midfielder from Mayo, who was Lee McHale, man of the match in the first game, and send off Colin Kyle, who was coming towards the end of his career, was seen as a weak link potentially on the me on the me team, and who James Horan probably would have taken to the cleaners anyway. James Horan went on to take and uh, McManus to the cleaners anyways, maybe yeah. uh, in the end, he got five from play. We'll talk about him at the performance this weekend. But it was a massive injustice. There's no doubt about that. It was a massive injustice that Lee McHale and John McDermott weren't sent off together. 
Yeah, well, especially as especially as I tried to say there, the, the reason I said I can understand McEnany is that McHale was in, McHale was right in front of him. So he, or rightly or wrongly, because McEnany couldn't have eyes in the eyes everywhere, and that's where he needed his umpires. But rightly or wrongly, he yeah. saw McHale and McDermott go at him right in front of him. So he probably had McHale in his head, and then the umpires, as you said, after after Colin Kyle dropping everyone, you know, can you know convince them to that Colin Kyle had to go as well. I suppose like and and listen that like. Uh, Mayo people have had like have have, have held this have, have probably held it against Pat Pat McEnany for so long afterwards because when we look back on that final it's like we were five minutes in we lost our best player and Mead lost well uh, somebody who probably wasn't their best player but of course you, you can't really you can't really look at it like that you can't get into the nuts and bolts of you know Lee, you know Lee McGill happened to be the best player so there was an injustice as a, as opposed to Colin McIlwain not being. Mead's best player, so you know it wasn't maybe fair to single him out because as far as Pat McEnany was thinking, he just has to send somebody off here, and the Mikhail yeah. happened to be in front of his eyes, and he was told by the umpire the other way around. But, but as you said, like um, just in relation to James Horn, we'll probably get to him as well. As it happened, he probably wasn't marked for the next fifteen minutes, and ended up going, you know, going to town. And then even when he was eventually marked, he still went to town then in the second half as well. But, uh, but yeah, it's just the the, the Mikhail thing. And like I, I think Lee McHale, you know, it, it took him a long time to recover from it. And if you talk to McHale now, he he mightn't even have recovered from it. But it was, yeah, it was a massive blow to Mayo at the time. Absolutely massive. And I know you said Pat McAnini's on record saying, looking back on, I should have sent off um, four. That would have been about right. As far as Pat McAnini, I would have sent off nobody there. Every single player, bar uh, Cahill, full-backs for Mayo or Brennan Riley full-forward for Mead and the, the Mayo goalkeeper Madden. Don Everybody was, was in it. And even Canelli, the Mayo captain, who's not a fighter. Trevor Giles, who's not a fighter. Like There's lads in there throwing boxes. What's the point? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Speaking to, like, there's no way you could single two players out of 27 players fighting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, He should have yeah. just left it go. And if, cause in a weird way, if he left it go, um, there was a huge hit on Graham Garrity on, on Kevin Cahill not long after that. And that would have been a straight red. If Kevin Cahill got back up then and hit Garrity, there would have been two reds. Yeah. And that might, have, that might have settled the whole match down. You know, maybe he didn't need to send somebody off in the, from the route because there was so many involved in it. I was just about to say, watching back last night, I can't believe Graham Garrity stayed on the pitch. And it wasn't just that. Oh, was he was so lucky. He was so lucky that that was immediately after that was immediately after yeah. the brawl. But there was another there was another tackle in the second half. I can't remember who was who was on, but I was thinking it looked like you know, yellow cards were it wasn't it was a ticking as opposed to a yellow card back in the day. I'm pretty sure. But Graham Garrity hasn't even had his name taken here, and he's nearly decapitated Kevin Cal. He, he's done another tackle tackle in the second half that could have easily been red. Plus, he was involved in the brawl. You know, and, and as it turned out, Graham Garrity ended up taking the short free for Tommy Dow to get the the all the all important goal for for Mead in the second half. So another reason for Mayo fans to be to be angry about it. But I get what you're saying in terms of I, I get what you're saying in terms of like the the not not kind of um, not single out anybody and like how could you single out anybody when literally there were 27 people involved in the brawl? I guess I I guess that Pat McEnany was thinking that listen, this is ridiculous. This is one of the worst brawls that's ever been seen in all Ireland final. I have to take action. But in a way, like you could say that if the GA were going to take action, which they did anyway, you know, suspend everybody after the game, which they did. I mean, there was a cumulative 23 months suspension handed out to, to 15 different players afterwards. So in a way, like it's yeah. easy to say now in hindsight, but you could have actually done that. You could have just said, 
there's no way I can send anybody off here because it's impossible. If I were to send everybody off, I'd have to send 10 people off. So just to leave it be and exactly. then to take action with the eye, take action with the isolated incident like Graham Gerdy uh, on Kevin Cal that, that, that happened later. But um, this is the hindsight is twenty twenty, Willie. I suppose like um, just a pity for us that Graham Gerdy wasn't sent off, given what he did then later in the game. This this final was so infamous, and this row was so infamous. If anything sums it up, this sums it up. In two thousand sixteen, the Mayo News um, it was reported that a mead man was fined in the Westport District Court <laughs> for <laughs> his part that. in a row in a row in a local chipper. This happened the previous um, November. The row was sparked by a disagreement over the 1996 dollar and five How brilliant is that? Yeah, me, me, man, on a night out down in Westport. I think I remember hearing that story at the time and think it was think it was mental. But I'm not surprised, William. I'm telling you, as I said last night, I did have a few replies by people who were genuinely thinking, why, why, why did you have to put us through put, put us through that again? Because listen, like Mayo people have, have, have become accustomed to losing All Ireland finals, but like we 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 genuinely regard this as the one that got away. And not only because we had two bites of it, like we definitely should have won the first day. And then just given everything that went on, like people are still, obviously, considering the, the, the case you've just mentioned, people are still really bitter about this nearly 25 years on. Jesus. All right, Mayor Panner, we're going to leave it there because uh, Mead manager that day, Sean Boylan, joined us on the line now. Sean, how's it going? Very well, Colin. Thank you very much indeed, just like everybody else. Um, minding ourselves, minding each other, being careful because the old of the of the, the the virus and so on, and um, it's amazing. Any other time we ever had a crisis like this, and everything shut down, we had snow. You know what I mean? It was our fourth month, <laughs> yeah. whatever. But um, you know, it was extraordinary. We checked them, and I love the races. Like um, if it was anything to do with the animals, checked them and called off. You know what I mean? And you know, maybe we need some sort of a reality check all round. You know yourself. Yeah, no, and I think it's right. I think you're right. I think people are starting the penny's dropping with people now, and people are being more careful. But anyways, we're yeah, going to yeah. we're going to concentrate. We're going to concentrate on sport here, Sean, and say people are sick of watching the news and reading the website yeah, about depressing yeah. news. We're 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 going to talk about a good time for you, Sean. It's 1996. Um, it's yeah. the All Ireland final replay. What we're talking about on the show, yeah. and. In in a weird way, Sean, when anybody thinks back of 1996 All Ireland, they think of the row. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. Seconds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, you nearly you nearly were made feel guilty for having won it, and um, yeah, it was extraordinary because like even the Minister of Justice was on a couple of days. I'm sorry, the next day on the radio with Marion Fanuc and Gobby Gutter talking about violence and sport and so on, and it was a shindig, and that's what happened with Shamazel. And everybody says it was orchestrated. It just happened. And I, when I looked at it, it's really interesting. We look, looked at it um, the other day. I realised for the first time that the amount of pent-up tension that was in that was extraordinary. And, um, you know, when you get a day like that and it's wild and it rains and everything else, uh, anything can happen. And just incredible. Like, Mayo wants to win it so much. We want to win it so much. We had a very, you know, a tough role for the lads because some of them were so young against the Leicester final, then to roll the semi-final. And uh, the first day against Mayo, we were all lucky to survive. And I always remember Colin calling your namesake, saying, you know, the only hop of a ball in tomorrow. And of course, he was so right that that's the way it was. Ball hopped over the bar. But look, yeah, back to where we were in 96, that replay, it was... Um, 
like all finals, full of mistakes, full of things going wrong, uh, full of heart, full of determination, full of grit. Uh, you know, probably some of the tackles that were in that day, if today you probably would have had about a dozen yellow cards or red cards or whatever. But everybody just got up and got on with it and played on. And I suppose that's the thing that the longer it on got to people was, hang on, these fellas, they just want to win the Ireland final. And, um, you know, some of the scores that Mayo got, James Horton was unreal, Morris was unbelievable, you know, um, PJ's goal, like extraordinary scores that they got. And I know we had lads in the, in the first half, Brendan Riley, Barry Callahan, all these lads, they'd never miss, even Trevor, you know what I mean? And balls went, yeah, John Knight, you know, clear through and everything else. But that's football. And, uh, but all I know is the collective thing was that um, it was a powerful place to be in the All-Ireland Finals. It's just, it's just an amazing place to be. And the excitement was, was incredible. And the, the tension in the second half and the survival was just brilliant. Yeah, it must have been unbelievable tension, really, because the first game, there was loads of tension as he clawed back that lead. And then in the second game, I think he decided to go against the win, did you, Sean? That's right, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, yeah. why, why, why would you have done that and maybe let Mayo get their tails up again? I think it was more to uh, more to um, tighten us up at the back, really. And, um, right. you know... Um, the last thing you want to do is give, is give, give away goals. And I think we saw like one mistake and PJ lost his pass the ball in the back of the net. And um, so by doing it, by taking that pressure in the first half uh, and to survive and keep it not too much between us at halftime, um, you know, that was, we were happy enough at halftime. Weren't delighted a lot of the balls we gave away and all that carry on. But in, in, in essence, we're still in the game and well in the game. And we knew it was going to be the father-mother of battle in the second half. Of course, that's, that there was. But the two scores yeah. at the start of the second half, you know, just yeah. really got things going for us and got us back in on, on the road again. I tell you, Tommy Dowd was outstanding in the second half. I think the penalty was a huge thing just before half time. Instead of going in seven down, you're going in four down. And then, like you say, straight away two points at the start of the second half to get it back to two. And now it's game on. Yeah, and um, you'd have to say about Trevor, it was an amazing penalty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was probably as good a penalty as ever he took. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. it wasn't the, thing, the best of the world that John Madden could do about it. But um, again, a novel and lads came of age. You see, they were shocking young. Like, Mark, Mark O'Reilly was 19. You know, Paddy was very young. Darren Fay was very young. So young, Barry, all of those lads, you're 18, sort of 19, and coming 20 years of age. And um, suddenly, though, they had, to, they had to grow up and be men and so on. And then when, you know, Colm and Lee McHale got sent off, the extraordinary thing for me was Colin Brady. Colin Brady came on in five of the matches before that. And Colin Brady got man the match in the National League final in 1990. And Colin Brady had his first operation on a knee when he was seven years of age. So it was one of seven or eight operations that he had. And uh, to come back and get himself into contention, um, you know, that year was incredible. And to play such an amazing part, you know, in, in, that, in that replay match, right, that was his first full match for me. I can't tell you how long. And uh, there were right. so many things that happened. And finals are like that, you know. We, because we were, were um, I was thinking about Colin Brady because 
tactically that was a masterstroke really because he came right around midfield and Mayo put James Nallon on him. So now Nallon wasn't making those great runs from deep that he that he'd be used to. Yeah. He, Nallon was kind of in an unusual position, kind of playing in midfield. So that worked perfectly for you. It did, yeah, it did. And uh, like, and James is such an imposing man. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, but but Colin, uh, you know, and like he replaced Evan Kennedy, who had a great season and became an absolutely outstanding player as well. But they're the decisions, they're the things that you have to do. But there was another thing, really, Colm, we never talked about it much, was uh, when we looked back at the final for the first day, right? Uh, the match of the first day, I realised, holy God, there's something wrong here. And then I realised, whatever way uh, the Mayo jerseys were with our jerseys, right? Um, it was really like a colourblind situation. Because there were lads who were miss, you know, giving passes wrong. They would never give passes wrong. You, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, yeah. I spoke to the county board about playing using the alternate strip. And um, uh, look, there's it's the sum total of the little things, but I think it had a huge bearing on our results. I really do. Right. Okay. Okay. I think it, that's like, what I mean, the jersey. Yeah, geez, and, and that, like I mean, they they were very similar jerseys. There's a lot of green in the Mayo jersey, really, except that's for just right, a bit yeah, of red. So right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know the way you have a split second, and you see the green, and normally the yeah. red would be the dominant colour. Do you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. So look, it was it was um, um, look. If, if it went wrong, people would be saying, "Sure, what's he asked? Do you know what I mean? But like, they're the things exactly. that you do, and. Uh, you know, the lads made it happen and so on. But, um, yeah, it's 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 funny, like, when you look at, I mentioned earlier some of the lads, like, like Colin McMenamin, Lord Almighty, bless him, the amount of ground that he covers. But people would forget, like, that that was such a wild day and then the rain was there as well. It was, there were difficult circumstances, but it was typical of all Ireland finals that we played on the last Sunday in September because, most all our finals up to uh, up to then, before the changes to the third Sunday, right? Um, you, you you nearly always had rain. And I remember when Galway played Dublin in 1983, there was a promise of rain. And the day before, um, uh, Dublin had um, the pitch in Parnell Park. They had it watered, so that when they were down to do a training session, they were slipping around the place. And, and you know, you might say it's jeepers. They're, they're daft things, but they have the things that count, you know? Yeah, yeah. I tell, you mentioned Mac Manaman. Geez, he kicked away an awful lot of ball. He was great to get on ball. He's always on, he nearly That's always right, on the yeah. ball, but he kicks it, he kicks it away. I think with the with the strong wind, there was the te- you know, like it, it always is, Sean, the temptation is to get it down there, you know, instead of yeah. playing it a little bit more controlled. Yeah, and but again, I think that's I think that's the anxiety, the huge anxiety. You know what I mean? To win, yeah, to get it up there. The lads, their forwards have been changed. You know what I mean? Um, and like for even when Pat Fallon came in, the Lord bless us to save us. He went to the sky. You know what I mean? And he um, was great when he came on. Yeah, he was. You see, people never realise that you take Lee McKay and, and Colin Coyle. I think Colin may have touched the ball maybe once or twice. I don't think Lee touched it at all in those first few minutes. And it's mad the way things happen. And there's nothing worse than seeing lads being sent off and not learn to find them. And uh, nothing worse, I hate lads being sent off anyhow, to be quite honest with you. And um, like, uh, the agony for those lads, unreal, you know what I mean? No matter who wins yeah. or who loses, you know? 
No, well, that's it. Like, I mean, I, I know hindsight is great and Pat McEnany was under a lot of pressure, but he's nearly been better off not to send anyone off because there's so many involved. How could you? Like, geez, sure, everybody was everybody was boxing. But, like, you know, how could you take two people out of out of that? Now, in fairness, Colin Kyle was cleaning house. <laughs> he was, he was. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was, yeah. He was, yeah. And, uh, um... Uh, it was only afterwards that you realised uh, how effective he was. You understand? But um, Jesus, yeah. uh, it still doesn't. You know, you you still hate to see it because then, um, you know, I remember at the end of the match, still winning by a point, and and back in the dressing room saying to lads, "Look, we've won by a point. The other dressing rooms have lost by one, but this will change your life forever," which it did. You know, and um, uh, you know, it's it and there's the fine line between winning and losing is so so extraordinary. And you know that that at the time, sort of, we had had a very good run, you know, sort of from '84 on, and then suddenly to find ourselves that all Ireland final again and a replay, and um, yeah, ah, uh, and the last time Mayo won all Ireland, the bet made the '51. You know what I mean? And those of us arrived even at that stage would even remember that, and you'd always feel it because you- they always had amazing footballers and great athletes. You know what I mean? And, yeah, um, but both counties were both counties were completely unexpectedly in the All Ireland final. Like you'd been hammered by by Dublin the year before, and they were working out of Division Three. That's right. Yeah, we were beating ten points in the Leinster final, and the really strange thing: a few of the lads afterwards, you know, spoke to me and said, "Look, maybe it's time for you to go. You've been there a long time. You had a great regard, and so on, which was very kind." And I said, "You're absolutely right." I said, "Well, do me a favour though. Will you go and talk to the lads first? And Bernie and Jerry have bear me up in this. Um, and they came back to me an hour and a half later saying, you can't go. And I said, why? The young lads think they'll be in all Ireland with you. It's amazing if you have the will of the people with you. And in the month of January, yeah. uh, when we were training over in Gormanstown College, I remember coming back and Dennis Murthy was up in the car saying, Dennis, we might surprise everybody this year. And you might say, why, Sean? Because I remember Coyler and Martin O'Connell talking saying if we don't book up, these lads will push us off the team. There was a drive in them. And the interesting thing is the six lads that were so young, they were on the meet team that were beaten in the minor um, in 1990, 1993 Leicester All-Ireland Final. But they were all very, very young. And um, But what I loved about them at that time was they were they kept playing as if they were winning. You know what I mean? They never let right. it get to them. And that was the sport, the thing that after '95. Um, and you'd lost sort of Bobby and Liam Harnell, Jeepers, Nicky McQuillan, you know, Colin O'Rourke, so like, like extraordinary players, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Andy Flynn, and, you'd lost, and then suddenly these lads, they so much wanted to win, they so much wanted to play for your county, you know what I mean? And that's brilliant. The Tommy Dowd goal, I think, is nobody would have blamed Graham Garrity for putting that down on the ground and tapping it over and putting one in it. You know what I mean? It was a it was a no, high risk no, um, no. pass. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. But and they're the things, but they're nearly like calculated. They're having the that having the all oh, that faith in yourself, even though everything isn't going right. And the classic then at the very end, Trevor doing a great tackle, long ball into Brendan Riley, and Brendan Riley was chasing the game all day, and um, oh, and suddenly that that famous point that he got, like that was just incredible. That last score of the game. He actually did his knee when he, when he was when he was scoring it. You know what I mean? But like you can't, yeah. you know, chip with one foot, you know, solo with the other foot, uh, 
and all the different things and then just curling over the left foot over the bar and like again when everything is when nothing is going right still having that faith and belief in yourself and I suppose if nothing else you learn that um, people talk about the number of all Ireland people win it's really all about the one it's about the match you play you know what I mean and I'm saying that because we would have beaten yeah. three all Ireland's in my time and we would have had two draws but again, it doesn't matter whether you've one medal or a thousand medals. It's the one chance that you get to be able to able to do what you need to do to get there, you know? Yeah. Brendan Riley, funnily enough, is probably lucky he was still on the field to kick that point. He was so quiet. I've never seen him playing uh, I've never seen him not being in a game as much in all my life. Well, you see, Brendan, as you know, has been full forward the whole the, you know, um all along. And um uh, on the Tuesday night before, it was, you know, so told Tommy, you know, you're going to play full forward and Brendan, you're trying to create the space. And, uh, but right. in saying that, Kevin had a great game on, on, on him when he came out. Like, he just couldn't get going, you know what I mean? But he never yeah. stopped trying, do you know what I mean? And um, if someone is standing up, then, you know, you can very easily call them ashore or whatever. But when they're struggling and, and fighting and keeping going for it, um, you know, you know that thing of having that faith in, in, in your lads that they'll do it yet they'll do it yet you know what I mean it never would have dawned on me um, uh, if you stand around that'd be different but once he was you know yeah. you just have that faith you have the faith in each other you know what I mean that's it yeah. that's it no, exactly. come here Sean Sean thanks very much for taking the call and taking a trip down memory lane with us I can't thoroughly enjoy it. Delighted to talk to you at any time. Thanks very much, Colin. God bless you. I don't really know Jim anymore. Me and him were like best friends when, when we played, you know. He's seen the light of Jesus and... Uh, I'm still like fighting the devil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> For me, 2-9, Mayo 1-11. This wasn't a quality game by any means, um, Connor. I have a romantic um, kind of uh, memory about 1990s football. It was a lot better than this, to be fair, but the wind was a huge factor in the quality of the game. Yeah, I think it, it laid a couple of myths to rest for me as well, Willie. I mean, like, uh, I've been used to watching, you know, All-Ireland Gold, let's say, back in back in the 70s, where, you know, the... the the games were great occasions and all that sort of stuff, but the style of play wasn't particularly sophisticated, and I thought it had moved on uh, by the mid nineties. But uh, I was uh, I was surprised actually watching back last night because although I was only I, I think I was only twelve at the time, I actually I thought the game was about a lot better <laughs> than what it was. But I suppose like it's all tied up in the occasion and stuff like that. You get kind of swept away by that. But I just the the, the main the main takeaway that I had from from the game was that the kick passing was absolutely atrocious. No, that there there was the the wind was to blame for that, and and even looking back, especially uh, to whoever the teams that were playing into the canal end at the time, a lot of balls got got badly caught up and nearly you know blew back in the opposite direction that they were travelling in. But like that, yeah. if anything else, that if, that if anything would lend you, especially if you were playing that way, 
to adopt a tactic where you don't launch a load of high balls up in the air, up into the air. But both teams are very guilty of it. And to be honest, like if you were back in that game, you're coming out of it looking like a superstar because the quality of the ball in was not conducive to 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 to, to good forwards whatsoever. No, but like I mean, Martin or, or Martin O'Connell looked like uh, an all-star defender in the first half. Look, he's one of the greatest players on the team of the century, I'm pretty sure. But he was brilliant. He kicked it away now. He wasted an awful lot of ball. But Ray Dempsey was taken off halfway in the first half. The ball Mayo were given in was absolutely desperate altogether. I think in the whole of the first half, no decent ball went in. Now, Dempsey and Finnerty aren't exactly speed demons in there. And John Casey was have to come out the field a little bit. So I don't know whether to blame the lads for launching it in because there was no movement or whether to blame the the, the fellas inside or what, what kind of way that went. But there was only one ball that was in any way decent. And that was uh, the ball that went in for the Loftus goal. It was um, uh, Noel Canelli gave a, gave a nice ball yes, in. Yeah. And that was the only yeah. probably controlled, that was the only controlled ball Mayo played in the whole half. But I wouldn't mind, like, it, the, the platform was completely there for Mayo. I mean, like, you'd think that after losing Liam McHale, who was, like, our, our probably our Mayo's best player and, and definitely Mayo's best midfielder at the time, that Mayo might lose a foothold in midfield. But the opposite was true. I mean, like, Mayo absolutely owned the first half and owned the middle of the pitch. And a lot of that, I'd say, was down to the fact that, like, the balls coming from the, the meat keeper were kind of hanging in the air and nearly blown back towards him. And, and back yeah. then, it wasn't seen it wasn't seen as an option to to go short to try and work your way around that. So Mayo had a huge platform around the middle. But it was obviously a tactic that was just, listen, lump it on. As you say, like the Mayo's full forward line that day, Ray Dempsey came in for David Nestor had been playing. And David Nestor is more nippy and kind of speedy. Whereas you had, you had John Casey, as you said, was coming out the field. So Mayo's two-man full forward line was essentially... Anthony Finnerty and Ray Dempsey, who had a lot of qualities, but speed was definitely not one of them. No. So the idea, obviously, yeah. was just to get get it in there on top of them. But the problem was, because the wind was so strong as well, is that like so many balls went either over the sideline or over the end line. Do you know, where, the, where there was plenty of space and plenty of opportunity yeah. to deliver in good ball. And I remember, like, I was watching back last night, and actually, Marty Morrissey was a was a sideline reporter for, for RTE at the time. And he said that uh, they went to him midway during the first half and he said that John Mann was really pleased with the level of ball that was going into the, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, full yeah. board line. I swear, and I, I was watching the, I was like, it's John Mann watching the same game as me. Now, honestly, like, I was, even, I was listening back to um, you doing the, 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 the review show of the 2005 final there um, during the week and how you have to be kind of conscious of the fact that like games have moved on and tactics have moved on. But geez, even a blind man could have seen that the ball going into the full forward line on the day was was terrible. And it's a pity because, as I said, Mayo had the platform for it. But instead, their scores I relied think, on... Uh, Connor, you know, Connor, 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 Connor Ma- Marty made that up. There is no way John Mohan could have been happy with the ball. <laughs> he must have. Going. <laughs> yeah. like, it was an incredible statement to come out with. I was like, what is Marty talking about? There's no, I, I just, I, like, either John Mohan hasn't a clue and he has managed to team to an all Ireland final. Or Marty's just—they've come to Marty and he's stuck for something to say. He's just made something I, up. I think so. Like he even said that John Mahan did a little leap every time the ball was going in. He was so happy with it. I was like, "Geez, now that I think back, it must have been like Marty couldn't get a word in with John Mahan, so he said, listen here, I'll, I'll tell the people what they want to hear. I'll make up some sort of story.' Because honest to God, nobody, nobody could have thought that that was decent ball in. It was—it was atrocious stuff." 
Yeah, no, it was very, it was very bad use of doing. And it's funny enough, Mayo were a much better team running the ball in the second half against the wind. I thought they contr- at least they controlled it. Um, Colin McManaman is the most frustrating player I've ever seen playing Gaelic football. There's no, he started at centre forward, and we know the style of play he had for centre forward. But after the row, he went to midfield, and James Horan. Well, I suppose it was a two-man half forward line, and Enda McManus went on Horan, and he was he destroyed Enda McManus. But that was the kind of of move that was made. The two players left were down in the Mayo forward line. So, like, I mean, there w- there w- there should have been more space for the Mayo forwards. You know what I mean? Had they mm. had they been able to use it a little bit better? I'm just curious, Willie. Did you say that Colin McManaman was uh, the most frustrating footballer you've ever seen before you watched last night, or yeah. did you just know that anyway? <laughs> because uh, in general, know, in like, general, like yeah. it's been, the amount of balls he gives away, it's just the amount of ball he's on, and the amount of yeah. ball he gives away is incredible. Yeah, it was, it was just to kind of, I suppose, to, to, to mount a defence of, of, of Colin McManaman for a start. I mean, first of all, I couldn't get over, and well, not that I couldn't get over because I, I watched Colin McManaman play for Mayo for years, and the man's engine is ridiculous. He's like a Duracell bunny. He'd be, you know, down in down in front of his own goal one minute, and then he'd be, you know, up 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 at the up at the opposition twenty one. You know, what seemed like ten seconds later. And I just remember watching Colin McManaman for years, and there used to be an audible gasp in the crowd any time Colin McManaman got the ball. You know, within within thirty yards of goal, because it was mainly kind of, oh, I hope he doesn't shoot. He lays off to somebody else, and and for the most part, he did that. But you're right. I mean, like like one of the things, one of the notes I made after last night was was how much time, how much time Colin McManaman got on the ball. It was ridiculous. Like I I would love to have seen the possession stats. I mean, Kieran Kilkenny wouldn't have had a patch on him there when he was getting sixty five possessions or whatever a game a couple of years ago. Now, in fairness to Colin McManaman, he was not the only one. I mean, everybody was guilty, but because because he was on the ball so often, he was probably the the the, the biggest culprit for 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 wasting the possession, and well, we might get to it later on. But like it, it was actually I'm pretty sure it was Colin McManaman that lost the ball in the tackle, which which ended up with me turning over the ball to give it to Brendan Riley, um, to 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 get the, to get the crucial score in the end. Yeah, it was a hand pass went wrong, and it was John Casey, a terrible hand pass from John Casey that led to the goal. Both of them were from unforced errors from from. Uh, from Mayo's point of view, just, just on the, uh, just I think on Colin the, Brady. Go on. Just on the hand pass, Willie. I don't know if you noticed, and it was, it was Mayo in particular. But uh, another trend, one of the other biggest trends that I noticed about the game was that Mayo's obsession with this um, the overhand hand pass. Um, yeah. So where you hold the ball up in, yeah, where you hold the ball up in your hand and you kind of push it as opposed to you know fisting it or or palming it with a with a with like like lower down in your body. Every, uh, Kevin Cahill gave about 10 hand passes and every single one of them was that overhand hand, hand pass. Lee McHale was always a fan of it. He was, going, he was doing it going back years. But just the, the amount of times that they did it during the game, it, it nearly seemed like a tactic or something they had practiced. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, like, like, uh, I would have preferred them doing that rather than all the kick passes they were giving away, to be honest. Two, two other points here on the first half is Colin Brady, the tactics for me, I mentioned this to Sean Boyle and Colin Brady coming out the field and Mayo had to reshuffle then because Colin Brady's a big man and they played three across the middle in midfield and they played two inside. Tommy Dowd went into the full forward line um, with Barry Callahan, and Brendan Riley came out. Brendan Riley wasn't in the game, but Colin Brady came out. Now, he's a big man, so what Mayo did was put James Nallon on him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, um, and Mort- Mortimer went back on, on Dowd. Uh, but the problem was James Nallon now is a bit not in the game at all. He's playing in midfield. He's brilliant running from deep from centre half back. 
and in a way, me kind of tricked Mayo into bring bringing their you know exciting dynamic centre back into midfield where he was chasing shadows. Yeah, and I suppose that wasn't helped either by the fact that Lee McHale was sent off. So I suppose the biggest the biggest kind of concern in in John Mahan's mind would have been how to reshuffle the midfield. I suppose he did that by bringing Colin McManaman back. And already at this stage, I know that the, the brawl only happened five minutes in, but because because Colin uh, Brady had wandered out, James Allen was. It was like neither of them were really in the game. Colin Brady wasn't in the game for Mead either. James Allen wasn't either. But Mead would have taken that because James Allen was so influential yeah. for Mayo at the time. And like, um, I, I don't know if you remember, Mayo fans will certainly remember in the semi-final against Kerry, um, James Allen got a great goal, uh, siding right through, through the middle of the of the of the Kerry defence, and it was, it was actually crucial in yeah. the win. So now, now James Allen did come into it a bit, a little bit in the second half, um, and this is out of necessity more than anything else because. Uh, because you know Mayo had to carry the ball because the wind was so strong, and when you're going to carry the ball, you're going to look like look to some like, uh, James Allen, who like the legs on like he used to run like a gazelle. He used to cover ground, you know, without, he'd cover 50 meters, and you wouldn't even notice it without breaking sweat. So that that was that was a kind of big blow to to Mayo in the first half. And just to say there as well with with Kenny Mortimer, like Kenny Mortimer would have been Mayo's best man marker around that time around the mid 90s I know he moved to centre forward initially but made his name as a, as a kind of a cornerback man marker and it didn't really work out for him with, with Tommy Dowd I thought like uh, especially like Tommy Dowd you know really came to problems at the start of the second half but he started to show signs in the first half that he was causing problems and actually when Brendan Riley got the score at the end Kenneth Mortimer was on him as well and I, I would I would have only yeah no that, Kevin, that Kevin Cal was moved on to Kevin Cal was moved on to Tommy Dowd because Dowd yeah. started roasting Mortimer. That's right, and that that would only dawn to me last last night because if if like and I know it was a long time ago, but if you if you would have asked, I would have had, I would have said that Kenny Mortimer had a good ninety six season and and a, and a good couple of finals as well. But yet the, the big the big impact was was James Allen who who wasn't as involved as he as he maybe would have been earlier on that year, and he was that year he was he was absolutely massive for Mayo. Yeah, exactly. Very harsh penalty against Mayo too. You'd have to say now the the co- the, the the coverage on YouTube isn't absolutely it's just or it's a little bit blurred. But this didn't look, it didn't look like Mortimer did much to Dow there, and Dow didn't appeal anything. No, I, I I didn't see a whole lot either. And as you said, like it, it was kind of the camera. I think was affected by the fact that PJ Loftus PJ Loftus had just scored the goal for Mayo, and there was probably a replay replay so there. They were still kind of shuffling around, and I think the lack of a lack of a Mayo maybe appeal to Pat McEnany against the penalty was probably came out of that as well and that like everybody was trying to get you know the game just went crazy for a few minutes and everybody was trying to kind of get a hold of themselves um, but no I, 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 I didn't see I, I didn't see a whole lot I didn't see a whole lot in it at all and at that stage when Mayo had got the goal to me that was an accurate reflection of their dominance up to that point I mean like I thought Mayo deserved to be that far ahead um, considering oh, that the dominance they had considering the dominance they had around the middle especially after Lee McHale went off but regardless of whether it was a penalty that sort of penalty back in the day especially when you have to, you have to bear in mind that penalty would have been on the 14 and not, not many people took a penalty like Trevor Giles took that penalty um, because like the keepers used to stay in their line so it was a really dangerous option to side foot it to that corner but that was, that was Trevor Giles at the, like, I think Trevor Giles went on to play went on to score 1-4 he was an all-star. I think he could have been. There was two football of the year awards that year. I think he could have got, got one of them. And it just showed the goes to show the, the the confidence that he was that he was playing with at the time. Not a penalty, but Jesus, what what a way to kind of dispatch it when he got it. 
Oh, it was. Kieran McDonald scored a penalty, something similar in the in was that in an All Ireland final as well? What year was that? The following year. Following year against Kerry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. A real, an unbelievably confident uh, penalty. Like I mean, Giles, Giles played, Giles played pretty well. He scored two good points uh, from playing the second half. One off the right, one off the left. We'll talk about him from the weekend. Tommy Dowd was outstanding. Like I mean, his goal was kind of the big thing. But before the goal came, uh, Pat Fallon had been warming up. Like, if you're to believe Marty on the sideline, anyway, Fallon was being brought on straight away. Maybe he was because you know there was yeah. a temptation there with Liam McHale having gone off. Um, to be fair to David Brady, he did very well on John McDermott. He battled well, and he, Brady was only a young fella at that stage. And John McDermott wasn't the dominating midfielder that we know he was. But Dermot Flanagan went off. Uh, Pat Fallon came on. Fallon was outstanding when he came on. And James Nallen went back in the back then. And maybe that's when Nallen came into it when he's actually running at the play. Do you know, like, I mean, yeah. what, what he's actually good at? I think so. Like there was a need to carry the ball, and as I said earlier, kind of like who better to do it than than James Allen? It's just that it's interesting that you meet yeah. that that you mentioned Pat Fallon. I think the reason he wasn't brought on earlier was because Mayo had probably seen that with the reshuffle they had done, whether it was Colin Mack coming back, and I, as you said, they Brady did really well on on Jimmy. I didn't really notice Jim McGuinness as a uh, or sorry John McDermott as a feature of this game until well later in the game, if even at all. I, I mean, you know, he, was he wasn't. Such a kind yeah. of he was such a pivotal figure for 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 me. So for David Brady, at uh, David Brady must have been twenty one, twenty two at that stage. So so to do that job, especially when his mate, his club mate, you know Lee McHale has gone off, the the the, the, the heartbeat of the Mayo team, that was that was a big thing. And, and Pat Fallon, like Pat Fallon went on to play. I'm pretty sure Pat Fallon started the started the the All Ireland final the following year against uh, against Kerry. One of was one of the best midfielders around. So I, I kind of it goes to show that the the dominance that um, that Mayo had around the middle and feel that they didn't feel they had to use him until that stage. Yeah, no, exactly. So Dowd had taken over at this stage. He'd scored two points. He had uh, he had set up Barry Callahan for another another point who who ran mm. off him, and he scored he scored the goal. And like Brent Garrity gets a lot of he gets a lot of credit for this, but it was actually a wild kind of thing to do. They're only two points down. They're playing with a gale force win. He just won a three. And he he is fouled. Um, one, you put that down on the ground and tap it over. There's only a point in it. Neither still yeah. favourite to win to come back at that stage. And he go and I think it was Dowd forced him into it. Dowd was inside, and Pat Holmes and Liam Cal both stood up, whinging to the referee. Senior into county players in an all Ireland final, yeah. and they fall into the trap that you would give out to under 14s for. And Tommy Dowd is wide awake. He creeps inside. He has his hands in the air to Garrity. He forces Garrity's hands and Garrity gives it to him. And it was an incredible finish to, to dummy solo the goalie and uh, practically lying on the ground. You remind you of Christy Brown in My Left Foot when he scored the penalty <laughs> of the movie. Like he shoots, he's actually shooting when he's on the, practically on the ground. Do you know, he, he nearly ruined his own solo dummy because the solo dummy, like Tommy yeah. Dowd was obviously playing with huge confidence at this stage. And funnily enough, in the first half, um, Tommy, I think it was Jerry Canning, the commentator, said about Tommy Dow that he was due a big one. So maybe he was just finally come, kind of coming into form through the through the semi final. He might have, had, he must have had a quiet Leinster championship, but he was like he got a point in the first half that really kind of put his confidence up. I think he scored a point within twenty seconds of the of the second half, and he was clearly flying it. So for for unforgivable as it is, anyway, for Cahill and Holmes to leave somebody like Tommy Dow alone in front of goal was was even more un- unforgivable. The only thing I'll say about this, and, and I remember this distinctly, <laughs> because uh, would you believe it, when I was there at the game at the time, I'd actually went to the toilet 
so I missed the goal. So I, I was I was keen to kind of watch it. I was keen to watch it last night to see exactly how it happened, even though I'd obviously seen it since. But Pat McEnany all day long, and I, like it, like watching it back last night only kind of confirmed my my initial kind of memories of the game. Is that Pat McEnany all day long had been calling the he'd been letting no short freeze go to the extent that there was one stage there was a free given. Um, I think Mayo were attacking against the breeze, and the game went on for about ninety seconds. And Pat McEnany was standing. Yeah. He was not let. He was not letting it go. He'd been calling back for short freeze, for quick freeze all day. He'd not been letting them go. So he let this one go. And then, like Graham Garrity does get credit, I suppose. But again, this came about because this was just a ball lumped in. This is just just a ball lumped in. I think Garrity contested with Pat Holmes, got on the rebound quick, got fouled, and then he reacted immediately. But that was unforgivable. It was unforgivable to for for the lads to for to lay down. But then. Watching it back again, once he'd done the dummy, you thought the chance was gone because he'd, fall, he'd fallen flat in his face on the ground. And he nearly had to drop kick it, I think, with his right foot to put it in. But um, at that stage, I think, I think Mead, that was the first time, I think that was the first time that Mead had taken the lead in the whole game. And just doubt was fine at that point. And like, you know, Mayo don't need, Mayo do not need much of an excuse to see bad omens as a thing that it's going to go badly. And I think that was, that was the turning point that we knew that, oh, oh shit. You know, this is like in the in the entire two games. I mean, may have been six points up, but I think ten minutes to go in the first game, and then ten minutes to go in this in the replay, and we're finally behind for the first time. I think it started to dawn us that this, this here we go again. Yeah, it's falling behind because it, it was actually a terrible uh, John Casey hand pass that that led to the to the to the ball, but it was a kind of a high ball that and and Garrity won the break on it. Then Pat Fallon's threw in on the sixty six minute. And you think he's going to score a point, and he sold it too far away from himself, and that kind of yeah. move went away. And then, and then Riley scores the 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 winning point, which turned out to be this is from a turnover from Colin McManaman. Um, yeah. And Mortimer, he throws one sidestep to Mortimer, and he slipped, and then he he clipped it over with his left foot, an unbelievable score. Brennan Riley hadn't been in the game the whole game. He's lucky he was still on the field. Um, mm. He was, I think, he was moved out the field instead of full forward. Tommy Dowd, like Sean Boylan was telling us, Tommy Dowd went into full forward, and like I mean, it was an incredible point. Then John Casey has a great chance to equalise at the end, and inexplicably passes it to a man who's been covered by two. The, 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 well, that substitute the cable on the blondie haired fella. Ca- Tom, that, the, the, uh, the current, the current. The Tom Riley, who has taken over as the um, is it the financial controller of Mayo GA? I think I'm not sure if he's exactly oh, is the he? commercial manager. That's Tom. I, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, and I'm sure I'll be corrected um, fairly quickly if I am wrong. But I'm pretty sure that's Tom Riley from Castlebar. And I was thinking the same thing because now the wind was strong, but John Casey was, if not inside the 21, he was very close to it. He wasn't too far away from the from the goals. To even have a punt like a punt at that, and it went dead would have been better than what he did in the end because Tom Riley was just surrounded immediately. Like he, he gave it to like there was surrounded. about three or four three or four meat players in, in his vicinity to the extent that like he had to attempt what was nearly a bicycle kick to try and get it over the bar. And then it just it like it was blocked down and Peter, I think it could have came off Riley again. So it wasn't even a forty five at that stage. But that was one of that that John Casey's chance there was one of a number like I I I didn't remember at the time how many chances Mayo had both to go on, to go ahead before Brendan Riley kicked the point over, and to actually there was I think there was at least one more chance that Mayo might have had to equalise after that. But it was it was a story. The game, Willie, I think like Mead were more economical with their. I mean, like they, they weren't particularly. There was loads of bad wides on both sides, particularly in the first half. Badly judged kicks 
uh, against the breeze. But throughout Mayo, were, our mead were just more economical, and that that that's probably what what took what 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 hurt in the end. But but Casey should have, to me anyway, ah, look, day again, yeah. but he should have had a pop at that. He should have had a pop at it. This is a chance to draw an All Ireland final for a full forward. It's fairy tale stuff to even get that bit of space that he got. He should have gone for that. He definitely should have gone for that. Maybe his confidence wasn't that high. He hadn't played well in the first game, or had had been completely out of this one as well. And maybe he just thought. Shit, I'm I'm not in, you know, but I don't see how he thought that the belly he passed it to was in a better position. So that made no sense. It was like he was just trying to ship it off. John Casey was going around with the Robbie Fowler thing on his nose. Do you remember those kind of kicking off in around <laughs> yeah. the mid nineties? So so was Ray Dempsey as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ray Dempsey, Dempsey was as well. There was, a, there was a few of the male lads, but John Casey stood out a bit more because he had uh, John Casey used to wear the collar up as well. So I like I was only thinking about that last <laughs> night that the like the the, the mid nineties was an era for for various different fashion statements because so like Brendan Riley definitely had it I think a couple more players you don't have that that knee support that must have weighed a ton and uh, like Brendan Riley definitely wore yeah. that um, John Casey had the um, had the, the thing on the nose that Robbie Fowler wore you had the Mayo players doing the overhand hand pass and this was only there was noting last night this was only years before before Trevor Giles did the biggest fashion statement in the GA and, and cut the sleeves. A statement that I think that you copied not long after that, Willie. So, <laughs> so that individualism was obviously big on players' minds back then. Yeah, well, Giles did it um, in bad conditions. I, I he actually cut the sleeves off his jersey. I used to top, tuck them back up under, but I only did it in in really hot conditions. I didn't want the farmer's tan. I wanted uh, I wanted a nice even yeah, tan all the way down my ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. That's fair well, enough. That's so it, it, this, that's basically it. Then the final whistle is blown and it's almost like, how did Mayo lose that game? Um, and I think you put it down to the simple fact that Mead had Trevor Giles, they had Tommy Dowd. Mayo had no one, only James Horan. Mayo had, Mayo, you couldn't, Mayo had no forwards. And that, I remember it back in the time when Mayo, that was the accusation at Mayo. Some of the wise you know, they just didn't have any danger up front. They had no Tommy Dowd. And it, it's almost like when you look um, at Mayo then 20 years later, if only they had a Gooch or if only they had a Clifford. Now, the Mayo teams that were that won All-Ireland recently were had forwards 100 times better than that 1916. That 1916 couldn't kick the ball over the bar a lot. And James Horan looked head and shoulders above everybody else because he actually was capable of kicking, consistently kicking points. Yeah, well, if, if you look at the six forwards that started, if, if that started that game, for example, so I think you had Morris Sheridan, one wing, who was a free taker and a very accurate free like he was Morris Sheridan top scorer the championship that year, one of the most accurate free, free takers around, which is you, you can always accommodate somebody like him. Colin Mack, a centre forward who was a worker, um, and who ended up playing, you know, who ended up playing midfield for most of that game. He was never, he never even pretended to be a scoring forward. Then you had James Horne, who was head and shoulders everybody else. I think we've already discussed the full forward line. I just. John Casey, yeah. who actually scored, a, he came into it a bit in the second half and scored a kind of a real gutsy point, is is what I call it. He he kind of made a few yards, broke a couple of tackles, and kicked it pure. There was no, there was no fancy stuff about it at all. There was no curling. We just he punted it over the bar from from fairly close range, which I which I would imagine kind of would have been a big confidence boost for him, and you would have thought would have led him to maybe have a punt at the other one. And in fairness, John Casey, who 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 suffered badly with injury actually in the in the years afterwards, but. John Casey was fine at that year. I think he might have scored four points against Kerry in the in the semi-final, but he just the the, the, the finals didn't really go for him. And then you'd Anthony Finnerty and Ray Dempsey, who were you know decent forwards for a particular level, but not on the not on the level that as you said that like Tommy Dowd and Trevor Giles were 
we're we're definitely of their era. We're we're def- we're marquee forwards. I say, and the only one that the only one that Mayo had was 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 James Horan. But but you listen, well, this is this is this is the story of Mayo's lives. Do you know what I mean? Is in that we didn't we didn't just have that little bit of extra quality to get us over the line. But I think that the, it told more in those '96 finals than it told in any other final that Mayo played. I mean, Morris Fitz took over the final in '97. Two thousand four and two thousand six finals were non entities, and while there's a point to be made that maybe forwards were the ultimate difference in twenty thirteen, you know twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, not anywhere near the difference that they were in ninety six. which no. as was said earlier, we still think of as the one that got away. Yeah, no, definitely right. Okay, we'll come back with performance of the weekend. <laughs> as a policeman at Garda Shikana down, down the store street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out and they're roaring at me I tough for you free state bastard and next thing I hear you have no fucking jurisdiction up here <laughs> Okay, performance of the weekend and the first one, like the man of the match, you'd have to say is James Horan. I wouldn't say he got it at the time because it's usually from the winning team, but he was outstanding. Uh, what was it? Did he get three off the right and two off the left? Didn't realise his yeah. his left was as good um, as, it, as it was. Just an outstanding display and also played a good one too with uh, Morris Sheridan for a point for him like in the, uh, he got eight points from play over the two All-Irelands like I mean this is just incredible stuff from James Horan Yeah it's amazing I, 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 I knew I knew before what I thought James Horan had scored four points three points from play sorry in both finals then so last night when he got his last point which was a tough one into the breeze in the second half now yeah. he had another effort that I don't think even went wide he tried. He was coming in like the Paul Flynn special he was coming in from the right footer from the right hand side trying to curl it over and I don't think it even went wide. The 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 breeze was so strong. But five points, two off the two off the left in the in the second half. And again, this two off the left in a manner that was you wouldn't know the difference between his left foot and his right foot. I mean, his left foot was that good. And I don't, I I actually didn't remember it being that good until I was watching it last night. And I was just thinking that like James Horan, the player kind of the the one I the one in that game was a player that James Horan, the manager, would love to coach. I mean, like James Horan's philosophy is. As you, you would have, as you would have heard over the last few years since he took over Mayo in 2010, has been doing, has been all about skills and doing the skills right, and like you know, like being able to hand pass off both, being able to kick off both feet, and just like before he even before he even preached that to the to the Mayo team he managed, he was practicing it himself, and like not only that, like he was guilty, like I, I kind of noted down a couple of times that a couple of kick passes went astray, but again, nowhere near the level that you know kind of affected the rest of the game, which was. Uh, I mean, like out of control, the amount of kind of kick passes that were that were going that were wayward. So, like, I just I kind of thought that in the first half, particularly, and then he came into it for about five minutes in the second half. We'll probably get to Trevor Giles and maybe Tommy Dowd as well. But I thought that they were just on a level above. I thought they were on a level above quality wise. Um, everyone else yeah. on the pitch, and I, like I thought they stood out like a mile. I think they did. I think they did. Like, I mean, it, there, there's no doubt James Horan definitely stood out. Um, we'll get to Trevor Jones. He got one four. He got one with the left, one with the right from play. 
um, at the start of the second half and obviously put that penalty away. I really liked about Giles was a big hit on Colin McManaman in late. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, for me, so like he was putting he was putting himself about. There's no doubt. I remember he would have been marking uh, Noel Kennelly, who was the the Mayo cap, Mayo captain and a very very good player who would have been paying him close attention as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, like I think at the time, Trevor Giles would have been only. I think he was still in college. I think he played for for UCD that year as well. But he was just he was involved as you said. He was involved in everything, and he was involved in the pivotal moments of the game. Let's say so when Mead needed, like Mead were at sea in the first half. They needed somebody to step up and take a penalty. As I said earlier, you know, from where you were taking that penalty wasn't easy. So to do to do it in the manner that he did just showed you kind of the confidence that he had at the time. And I think there was about 15 minutes to go. Um, he nailed the free to put Mayo back within a point. Uh, or to put me back within a point. I think he scored 1-4 in total, which would have made him just just ahead of Tommy Dowd as, as the top scorer in the game. Um, of all the kick passing and we've, we've kind of gone on at length about how, how a lot of it was terrible. Like I picked out a couple of examples where Giles showed quality that he would go on to show kind of later on in the career and not just that for a young fella like I can tell you from just having watched Colin McManaman and even having played against him at times you know later on in his career a couple uh, on a couple of occasions that like you'd like running into him was not a pleasant experience but it didn't look didn't look like it knocked Anton out of Giles who at that stage and never really kind of developed physically but looked like kind of a wisp of a fella so it shows you that he kind of didn't shirk the kind of um, the physical contact as well. So for somebody like like for somebody like him to to stand out um, at the at the age he was, kind of showed you the the kind of pedigree of of Trevor Giles, and I think like kind of in 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 latter years and or kind of later years, and especially around when they won the All Ireland in in in, in two thousand one, he he kind of went on to become their main figure. But he was already showing signs of it back then. Yeah, Tommy Dowd one three. Giles got one four. Dowd got one three. That's two seven out of two nine, and Tommy Dowd set up uh, Barry Callahan's um, uh, point. He laid it off. He won it and laid it off to him on the run. And Trevor Giles kicked the, bo- the long ball down to Brendan Riley in the corner. So like I mean, they've, they've all the scores and two assists from the from the total. So there, Tommy Dowd. Tommy Dowd is one of my favourite players of all time. Always loved watching him play. Um, all action. Um, you know, absolute class. A nightmare to mark. Slow or low to the ground. To have it to struggle all year and then score one three from playing his points in the first half was absolutely outstanding, and then yeah, as yeah. all leaders do, set the tone in the second half and got me back off the mark, and then obviously scored the all important goal. And I think Garrity Sean Bowden was giving Garrity the credit for for that, that pass, but I'm telling you, if when you see the replay, of that doubt is roaring at him to give him that ball, like he's inside, and then you know all his own good play to get almost forcing that ball over the line, even though you know he'd lost a little bit of control. Or it could actually have been a penalty, but Tommy Dowd just outstanding. Imagine saving your best display for the year to the All Ireland final. I think putting him in full forward like gave me more of a focal point, obviously, than than what Mayo had. And one three from play that says it all about him. Yeah, and fairy tale stuff as well. And like uh, Tommy Dowd was Tommy Dowd was captain that year as well, wasn't he? If if, yeah. if I can remember correctly. So to to, to produce I've been struggling all year and to produce your best performance on the biggest day and then to captain your county to to an All Ireland that nobody expected him to get. Um, you know, throughout Leinster and, and maybe even coming into the All Ireland series, nobody fancied me that year. So to um to do that was was, was fairy tale stuff for Tommy Dowd, but just kind of I, I again kind of shown the medal of the man like like Giles 
when Mead needed somebody in the first half, I mean, it could like especially when when you're when you're in the full forward line, when there's no when, the, when there's no ball coming in for a start, when the ball that's coming in is terrible, it could have been easy for for somebody like Tommy Dow to kind of shirk, you know, shirk the challenge and say like it's not down to me, it's the lads out the fi- out the field that that, that gets, it's their fault that we're not in this game. But he stood up, kicked out an out, outstanding score, and then his tail was up. His tail was absolutely up, and he's taken on as I said earlier on. He's taken on, I think, Kenneth Mortimer went on him for a while. He would have been Mayo's best man marker and renowned as a good defender. And that didn't, you know, that didn't make head nor tails a doubt who had scored a point within 20 seconds of the, was the first half. And then, as you said, was actively looking for people. You know, like, how good of a sign is that when, you're, when your top man is on form and he's demanding the ball and all you know, then you know in your head that if you get, if you get the ball, Tommy Dowd, he's going to do damage. And he did. And serious damage. And, and especially with the goal. And we've kind of said earlier on how he did well to take it considering Concerning what happened, but um, I, I I do think I do think I, I think it was Tommy Dow that got man the match, and while I'll make a case for James Horan kind of after getting five points and five ridiculous points, I'm not going to argue if if Tommy Dow did indeed get man that man the match on the day because considering his influence on the game and the fact that Mead won, he definitely deserved it. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to Martin O'Connell. If Martin O'Connell hadn't the amount of ball he won was outrageous. Ray Dempsey was taken off. But Martin O'Connell, like, I mean, he was a terrible man for just launching it back up the field. And most, in most occasions, it was coming back down on top of him again. So there was no, you know, he yeah. wasn't really benefiting for, out of all the ball that he won. Mark O'Reilly was very sticky on Finnerty, put Finnerty in his pocket. But Finnerty was 34, Mark O'Reilly was 19, and Finnerty had retired yeah. and had come back. You know, the last thing Finnerty needed was a sticky cornerback that was faster than him. And the only option he had then was the, you know, high booming balls that he wasn't going to win so he never really he never really stood a chance I thought David Brady he battled very well again gave away the ball but that David Brady was never a brilliant footballer but he was a good he, you weren't going to get the better of him in the physical exchanges or in, in the air around midfield and um, you know he, he was very good and I, to be honest I'm not holding giving the ball away against anybody in this game because every, everybody was doing it everybody everybody was doing it yeah yeah and to be fair um just watching it back last night, like a lot of, like if there's ever debate about like the, the best fullback to, to ever come out of Mayo, that Kevin Cannell is often, is, is often held in the conversation. And like, you can know more than Martin O'Connell, I think that the way the game went um, in 96, it made backs look like superstars because the quality of the ball that was going in, it was either, it was either yeah. going on top of them, it was going over in their head that all they had to do was shepherd the ball, um, you know, the, the shepherd the ball over the end line. I was coming in an awful angle on the ground that was a basketball all day long. So I thought I thought Kevin Cannell actually looked looked pretty good for Mayo as well. Um, Dave Brady, I'd agree with Dave Brady as well. I thought um, I thought he did well, and especially to nullify John McDermott, um, who would have been such a big influence for 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 me. And just like just to to kind of give Morris Sheridan a mention as well, because uh, like back in the day, Morris Sheridan would have been seen as a free taker that had to be accommodated, not much else. But he got a lovely score from play. Um, and he was far more involved than I actually kind of remember Morris Sheridan being involved. And he kicked, um, he kicked some excellent frees under circumstances as well. So, so they'd they'd kind of be, I'd give them a shout out for for Mayo. But just to say that they they might all have been six or seven out of tens, and then James Horn was a nine. He was just a, he was a class above the rest of them. Yeah, he definitely was a class above the rest of them. But Tommy Dowd's winning performance for the weekend. Um, all from play one three. And um, outscored James Horan, I suppose, when you look at it that way. Like, I mean, Horan scored five for it's between the two. It's between the two of them, really. But Tommy Dowd, all in final captain, one three from play, not having a good, not having a good year. Uh, penalty just before half time that he won as well that we haven't even mentioned, even though it might have been a soft one. 
So, like, I mean, it's just riots are over stuff from Tommy Dowd and a great way. And, you know, his career was probably winding down at that stage. And, you know, absolutely fantastic stuff from him. So, performance of the weekend, Tommy Dowd. And that's what's done, Connor. Uh, first show with us in two different houses. So, I think we got through it all right. And uh, we'll be back on Monday. We're going to find you. We'll find you. Can the next Go one on. not be a losing the All Ireland final, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do involved. Yeah, okay. So we we'll, we'll, we won't torture you next Thursday, uh, Connor. We'll find a we'll find a different one. We we'll tell you what we might do. We might find uh, we might go with 1990, um, 1998, the Galway win. One of the Galway wins. That would be a nice one for you to talk about, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's the lesser of two evils, I suppose. But yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Okay, right, listen, talk to you next week. Um, that's it. We'll be back on Monday and we'll review another All in a Final. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a f- shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.